Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Luke, chapter two. We've been preaching a series called Christmas Unwrapped, and the idea is that behind this wrapping paper right here is a gift that we don't really know what's behind it. And in fact, all of these Christmas gifts are up here because shortly we are going to have children come from the King's Kids Ministry, and they're going to come through and we're going to bless them with all kinds of gifts that uh, many of you have participated in giving. And I say thank you for your generosity Christmas Unwrapped is the name of the series because there's a mystery behind whatever's behind this wrapping paper. And what we found is that most people don't really understand the, don't understand, I don't understand much. I'm glad I do understand some things. There's revelation. Come on, somebody say revelation. Say it, say it happy and roll your R. There's revelation that God wants to release to you. And, you know, that's, that's showing something that you've never seen before. And for God to unwrap Christmas, to show us really the real meaning behind Christmas, and we've tried to mine out some gems for you. Uh, this morning is my favorite one, Pastor Karen. My favorite one, my favorite gem that we've mined out is this morning. And I've waited to bring it to you to today. And uh, we do have notes for you. Did we pass those out just yet? Very good. Uh, if you don't have notes, would you go ahead and slip your hand up and one of these gentlemen will help you out. You go ahead and fill those in as we move along and they will have the blanks filled in on the screen that's behind me for those of you that are note takers. So we've preached a number of different messages. Uh, I, I talked about one, the, the gifts of the wise men. Uh, in the offering time, but this message is called the sign. The what? The sign. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place? Take your Bibles, Luke chapter two. We stand in honor of reading God's word, in honor of the word, reading from the New International Version. Are you ready? Set? Let's go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken from the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Let me just stop. Are you from this town? You're like, yes. But I would say 90% is not. So where were you born? It's like everybody returning to where they were born. All right. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register, to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in, in cloths, and placed him in a manger because there was no room or no guest room available for them. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. Would you say that with me? This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we celebrate. We understand that Jesus most likely was not born on the 25th of December. And we thank you that However, he was born, and we can celebrate his birth and the mystery of it and ask now that you would give us living understanding, that we would be touched by revelation from your word that would move us to transformation in our lives. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you high-five two or three people around you and say you better hold on. Better hold on. Tell them. Better, you better hold on. Amen. You better hold on. In John 1 and verse 29 is the text where John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Jesus, says, behold the Lamb of God. And if you were a Jew and you were there when John the Baptist pointed to the Christ, pointed to the Messiah, and said, behold the Lamb of God, you would have understood what he was saying. We as mostly Gentiles, some of you are Messianic believers, or some say completed Jewish believers, you understand. But for those of you that don't understand what that means, the Lamb of God, everybody say the Lamb of God. You need to understand specifically in the context of this passage. Because John the Baptist, as he said, behold, the Lamb of God is basically saying, this is the one who takes away the sin of the world for those who believe in him. He points to the Savior. A closer look at John the Baptist's statement reveals that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is God's gift to all of mankind. Is my media team working? Do we have somebody? All right, you're missing a blank. Let's go. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is God's gift to all of mankind. Come on, somebody say Jesus is, is the greatest gift. Say that. Jesus is the greatest gift. He takes away the sin of the whole world. He takes away the sin of the whole world for those who believe. 
It's not just a blanket statement that all the sin of the world is gone because Jesus came. No, you must believe, you must receive. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness, John the Baptist was referring to the Lamb of God being the sacrificial fulfillment, or I should say, the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. And this is an in, in introduction, if I, if I can, to give you a base understanding before we look at this text, this sign that the, the shepherds heard declared by the angels. If you go to the book of Genesis and you read Genesis in the early chapters, you see the fall of mankind and what is called the proto-evangelum. It's the first time the gospel, gospel means good news. Everybody say the first time the good news is shared. First time the good news is shared. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of course, it's there also. But it's in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, when man sinned, God made a way. God showed that the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan. And it is such a, when I first saw that I was in, I was in my Bible school studies and, and I, I st was reading that, I thought, that's amazing. Millennium before Jesus ever came was prophesied that the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan, would destroy Satan. And so you see from that time, you then see God making tunics of skin for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve chose to sin, but God covered their nakedness. How? By, by skins of some animal. Now, I believe, personally, it doesn't say, but it is would be biblically accurate and consistent that it was a lamb that was sacrificed. There's a lamb or some other animal. How many of you know if you're going to skin an animal, you're going to have some blood? The Bible's clear that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of, of sin. So, so God killed an animal to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And that is a type in a shadow that you'll type in a shadow of literary terms. For the greater reality, the Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament truth. And so right in Genesis, God possibly killing a lamb. Certainly in Levitical law, it talks about a lamb that has to be killed. There's a, there's a scapegoat, there's lambs, there's bulls. The, 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 temple, was a, the temple was basically a, a slaughterhouse for God. Blood everywhere. And you know what's amazing? It is recorded by Josephus and others that there's never once been seen a fly, not one fly, ever on the Temple Mount. I don't know if you've ever slaughtered an animal. You almost instantaneously have flies. There's no flies on Temple Mount because it's a picture of Beelzebub. It's a picture of the Lord of the Flies. It's a picture of, of the evil one. There's many miracles in the temple. So Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you to put upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. So, when, when John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, behold the lamb, he's referring to that. He's referring to Isaiah 53. You read Isaiah 53, it talks about the suffering servant. John the Baptist pointed to the lamb of God. He said, what does that have to do with, with what we're talking about here today on Christmas Sunday? Well, very simply, Jesus is the Passover lamb that brought protection and redemption to all who believe on him. All right, a look at the text. 
A sign points to something. A what? A sign points to something. So underneath our handsome uh, security man over here is uh, over the top of his head, I should say, underneath the sign, our handsome security guy. Exit. Everybody see the exit sign? Okay, how about on this side? Do you see the exit sign over here? Okay, what does that point to? It's a sign that points to an exit. It's a sign that what? Points to an exit. Signs point to things. They are indications of something. The birth of Christ is the most celebrated occasion in the entire planet. Let me run that through again. There is no greater celebration than Christmas throughout the entire world. Now, there's different dates for some. January 6th used to be a big date for the celebration of the birth of Christ in the early church. But the celebration of Christ's birth is the most celebrated event across the world, worldwide. There's no greater celebrated event than that. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me, please, uh, to, if you have a King James specifically, the NIV The NIV misses the significance of what is said, but the King James Version preserves the true meaning. And it says in the King James Version, verse 12, and this will be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Everybody say swaddling. So now we use that term today, and I don't know what that would mean to you, uh, you know, like like a baby swaddling a baby, I guess that would be the term, but that's that's not what that means in the Greek. And you study this out; it's it's rather profound. Swaddling claws were bandages that one would be would be used on someone's body when they died. Okay, so we know from history now that Bethlehem. The shepherds of Bethlehem were Levitical shepherds. Would you say that? They're Levitical shepherds. They were employed under the employment of the temple. And the lambs that they would raise, the sheep that they would be raised, would be used for what? Anybody know? They'd be used for the sacrifice. They they belong to the temple. And when sacrifice time came, they would bring those sheep up. Now, it has been suggested by some that the sheep's legs, the the lamb's legs, would be wrapped in swaddling cloth. Now, let let me tell you how we came across this. I'd never heard this preached. I preach it every every Christmas Sunday since I heard it for the past five years. But I was in Israel, and we went to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, there is the... The, the, uh, the, the church, the Holy Church of Nativity or something. I, I, I've forgotten what it's called. It's the church that's over the cave where Jesus was supposedly born. And there's some argument about that. But literally hundreds of thousands of people will go to Bethlehem even this week and go to see the place where Jesus was born. I went there with Dr. Morocco and a tour of people from, uh, from the church. Pastor Karen and I, we went. We had the great privilege of going. And uh, as we're going in, it's a whole line of people, and you have to keep moving. You can't stop. You have to go all the way through. And in this cave is this star, 14-point silver star. Silver is, is a picture of redemption. And then 14 points, 14 
uh, generations from Adam to David and 14 generations, you can go and study this, it's right there in the New Testament, 14 generations from David to Jesus. And so there's this hole in this beautiful marble floor and you can reach through the hole and touch the floor of the cave. And I thought, that's hokey. I'm not touching the floor. Dr. Morocco's in front of me. He says, he says, you know, all these years I've been going through, I've never touched the floor. I said, oh yeah, I'm not touching it either. He says, no, I'm going to touch it this time. I said, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm going to touch it too, yeah. <laughs> and, and as we went in, Pastor Karen and I went in, you know, everybody's like getting down and touching the floor. And I'm like, that's a big deal. And I reached down and touched the floor. It's like, ooh. You know what's amazing about this God that we serve? He's backed with, not, not, not only backed with revelation in the word that never contradicts itself. And again, you've heard me say it, it's semi-offensive. If you find a place in scripture that contradicts itself, it's only because you're ignorant and uneducated. I'm just telling you the truth. And the more you study, the more you give yourself to understand context and what's really being said, it never contradicts itself, not once. And many have gone out to prove that the gospel, prove that the word of God is not true. And, and all heartfelt, honest ones that have done that all become believers. So when you, when you go through and you see archaeology that matches scripture, it's, it's mind-blowing. Listen, even if they don't find the archaeology, I still believe. But archaeology matches up, and to be there and to see this cave and to touch the floor, it was very, very meaningful for us. And as we were leaving that place, I, I remember what I was doing. I was... I was on my Instagram on the bus and the tour guide was a descendant of the shepherds. Now, either that's a great tour line and he's a liar or it's true. Which one is it? Because I mean, when he said, I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe, you know. So he's a believer. He said he was a believer, believed in Jesus. He acted like one. So I, I, I believe what he was saying is true. As we're driving by the shepherd's fields, so they're much unchanged today. You can go to Bethlehem and you can see these shepherd fields where these angels showed up that we're reading about. He says, I want to share with you something that you, you probably never heard before. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Doing my Instagram, about ready to post my 14-point star. I'll repost it. And so as he's sharing that, he starts talking about how he's a descendant of the shepherds. And he starts talking about swaddling cloths. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that, swaddling cloths. And then he said this, which I never heard. And then I studied and found it out to be very possibly true. What the sheep would do, the lambs that would be born, again, they're Levitical lambs. They're Levitical shepherds. They worked for the temple. For what? For raising sheep for what? For the sacrifice. When those lambs would be brought up to Jerusalem, Bethlehem's about 2,700 feet in elevation, and they would go, it's a 5.59 a, a miles, about nine kilometers up to, to uh, Jerusalem. They would have to bring all those sheep. They would walk that distance with them. And a, a lamb had to be sat, that was sacrificed to the Lord could be, had to be without spot, without blemish, without defect. You can go read that in the book of Leviticus. You couldn't hand God some lame lamb, some broken-legged, jacked-up lamb. You had to give him your best. It's a picture of what you should do. It's a picture that you should give your best to God. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. 
And so they would take swaddling cloths and they would wrap their legs of these lambs so that when they're going up this journey from 2,700 feet up to Jerusalem, when the legs of the lamb would unintentionally hit a rock or trip and fall, that kind of thing, they wouldn't mar their legs. They wouldn't have scars. They wouldn't be bleeding. They would be without blemish. So when the angels show up, and they say to the, to the shepherds who are raising lambs for the sacrifice, and they say to the shepherds, it'll be a sign unto you, a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. On a hundred mile journey, Jews, what they would do, if you took a long trip and you were a Jew, you brought your grave clothes with you. You know why? Because if you died and your body was unprepared and left on top of the ground is considered a curse. And so your, your body would be prepared and wrapped in swaddling cloths or grave clothes. And it is reported by this um, generation of shepherds, our tour guide, that they would bring their swaddling cloths, they'd brought, carry them on their person. Some say, history says they would tie them around their waist. There's different things you can read. So Mary and Joseph traveling 100 miles would most likely have swaddling cloths to cover their own bodies. God forbid they should have died or they would have died on the way. So when the baby is wrapped in swaddling cloths and the angels say a sign unto you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was an indication to them that, wow, this is the final lamb. Brother, we got to get a job. We're out of a job. Our job's completing soon. Better get, they were served notice. Of course, it would be 33 years later. Come on, somebody say, wow. And so to a shepherd, they knew what they were seeing. They knew they were seeing the Messiah, the Christ. And all of heaven rejoiced. Wow. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to swaddling clothes? And the, what, does that, what does that mean? I started to talk about God giving us revelation, right? If you insulate yourself from the reality and the truth of God's word, and you just hear a cute little message that has wow, like that, that's a kind of a wow. And you don't respond, then you've just become more religious. The reason we're here at Kings is to reach the lost. We're not here to wow you with swaddling clothes, revelation, for no other purpose than just to make you think we know something. We really don't know all that much. But when you understand that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is suffering servant of Isaiah 53 was born and lived the earth as scripture declares, the lamb of God, the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. When you see all of that truth come together, it ought to bring a response to you. What kind of a response? Well, look at your notes with me. How do we respond to the truth as we behold Jesus as the lamb? Well, the first thing is 
it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not good enough. Bump your neighbor and say, you're not good enough. By heaven's standards, you're not good enough. Come on, come on, bump your other neighbor and say, oh, you know you ain't good enough. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are good enough. All have sinned. All have blown it. Every single one of us has fallen short. And so we don't need a rule book. We need a Savior. And when you understand, as we were talking to the King's School of Ministry this past week, when you understand who he is and what he's done, you will live for him with all your heart. That's real Christianity. You fall in love with God, not trying to earn his love. You already have it. How? By the blood of Jesus, by what Jesus has done for you and done for me. How do you respond? Understand that our human efforts will not save us. We're all sinners. Therefore, we need a savior. We need a what? Savior. Absolutely right. A savior is born. And we all have to choose. We must choose to receive Jesus as our savior. You look through scripture, you see what theologians call the glory of man. The glory of man is choice, choice, the freedom of choice, a free will. So Adam and Eve in the garden, they had a choice of whether they would eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were told not to, they chose to disobey. And in choosing to disobey, the warning from the Lord that says, if you disobey and you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in dying, you will surely die. You say, well, they didn't die. They lived for years later. They lived really long. Yeah, no, you don't understand what death is. Because real death is separation from God. So we say, we need, we need people to receive Jesus because they need life. Yes, because they, without him, there's no life. If you have the son, you have life. You don't have the, the son, you have death. You say, well, I think I'm living pretty good. No, you just think you are. And if you've not been born again, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus this morning, to invite him into the manger of your heart. Even the manger is a sign filled with horse pucky, road apples, cow pies. It's a picture of the human heart. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, you know that's right. <laughs> Do you have cow pies in your heart today? Yeah, everyone, all of us, all of us are a big cow pie without God. But when it comes into the manger of your heart, come on, Jeremiah said, you know, these people that said, well, you're, you're, just follow your heart. That's a huge mistake. Don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitfully wicked and black, according to Jeremiah. Now, he takes out the heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh. He takes out the black heart. He takes out the turd-laden heart. He takes out the road apples. Come on. That's how Pastor Karen says it, turd-laden. Your heart's like a manger. I mean, just think about Jesus. He's born in a manger. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It would have been horrible enough to be born into flesh. Never mind the lowest place that there could possibly be. It's a picture of the lowliness, of the humility of, of God. No, we don't, we don't need a rule book or I'm grateful for it. Roadmap, grateful for it. No, we need a savior and we must choose him. Adam and Eve chose to disobey and God made a way for them. Over and over, every, every patriarch, everyone that walked with God chose to walk with God. 
Mary had a choice. We talked about that. Talk about spoil your plans on your betrothal. Can you imagine being married, ladies? Can you imagine? No, really. The angel came. Sure. Joe is like, really? Where's the angel? I'd like to meet him. No, I got overshadowed and now... It's pretty far out, and if you don't know the prophetic promise, so Joseph does what every man of God would do. Okay, I'm gonna go take a nap. <laughs> he goes off and he naps, and an angel shows up and says, Joe, take her to be your wife. This is the Messiah. And he wakes up from his nap, and he chose to obey. He chose to do it. When you look through scripture, you see those who change the world. You, you look through history, you see those who change their culture, change nations. It's a choice that you make. It's a choice you make to believe on the Lord Jesus. You and I have been given what's called the glory of man, a choice. You said, but I love God. It's a choice to love God. He doesn't make you do it. He didn't make you come here today to sit in this hot, sweaty sanctuary with no air. No, that's not what he did. You, you, you came. You chose to come. And that choice, if sincere, to give your life to Christ here in a few moments will cause you to pass from death to life. You look at your notes again. Because we been redeemed and set free from sin. And that's what happens when you receive Jesus. You're redeemed. You're, you're purchased back. You're bought. You're paid for. You've been redeemed from sin, Satan. By the way, that's not a spelling error. Satan's a jerk. I don't capitalize his name on purpose. We must live holy. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter one and verse 18. Are you ready? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver or gold. I don't think I finished reading that just yet. Well, there it is. Okay. Let's start over. Knowing that you were, is that me? Are you guys messing with me? Okay. Okay, knowing that you were not, verse 18, 1 Peter 1, 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood. What redeemed you? The precious blood. What purchased you back? The precious blood. What made you new? The precious blood. What has washed all your sins away? Oh, the blood, all oh, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, blemish, without spot. Verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Verse 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 
since you've been purified, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So how, how are you purified? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. By what? It's right there. The answer is right there. How are you purified? What is obeying the truth? Stop, I'll answer. It's repenting of your sin and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is that simple. So I've been coming to church for 15 years. I've never done that. Well, you're still going to hell then. Let's go back. All right. You can change that. You can change that today. Come on, somebody say facts. Go ahead, say it. By obeying the truth of the Spirit in sincere love of the brother, love one another out of fervent, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Last verse. Having been born, what? Born again. What do you mean, born again? Can you enter your mother's womb a second time? And all the women said, no. <laughs> Once was enough. And that's not what he's talking about. All the ladies give a big amen. <laughs> all the women with children said, yeah. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Hey. Being born again, if you're not born twice, you die twice. We talked about this in KSM as well. Book of Revelation talks about it, the second death. You see, you must receive Jesus. It's the only way that you can have your sin paid for. And you must repent of your sin and ask him to come into your life. That's what receiving Jesus is. And that is being born again. You say, I've never done that. You're going to do it today. Do it today. Don't leave this place. Don't turn off that broadcast without being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Responding to this text, we're to live holy. We're to be born again, considering Jesus is the Lamb of God, the seed of Genesis, the Lamb that was wrapped in swaddling cloths, the indication that the shepherds are no longer going to be shepherds soon thereafter, that God would complete the whole sacrificial system through the birth of his son Jesus as he walked the earth for 33 and a half years and would die on the exact day that lambs would be killed at the Passover that the death angel would not come to your home, he would pass over because the blood of the lamb would be on the doorpost of your own heart. Oh, Christmas time is a wonderful time of celebration for the Messiah, born in a manger. Be like the shepherds and proclaim what God has done. Go tell it on the mountain. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Bump your neighbor and say, go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Come on, sing it. Go. Go tell. Come on, sing it again. Go. Everywhere I'm go. Tell 
encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.